Well, good morning. Welcome to Paradise Valley Christian Church. Those of you in person as well as those of you online, happy 4th of July weekend. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, maybe you've been celebrating with family and, and doing a lot of fun things. We've been packing for camp, okay? And that's what we've been doing at our house. All 10 of us are heading to camp this week. And so uh, our kids yesterday, what are we doing today? What are we fun? What's going to be fun today? We're like, Today is pack day. We are cleaning, we are washing clothes, we are packing for 10 people to go to a week of church camp. And so uh, we are excited for church camp coming up, uh, but it was, it's definitely a weekend of packing for us. And so we're glad that each of you are here though this morning. Uh, we are getting close to the end of the gospel according to Mark, and uh, it'll be two months, July and August, and that finishes us up and so we're, I'm thankful that you've stuck with me as we've gone through. We're in Mark chapter 13, verses 24 through 37 today. When it comes to Jesus' return, nobody has Jesus' return on the calendar. And you're saying, well, no, wait a second. I know someone from my work or uh, someone in my family. They do have Jesus' return on their calendar. And I would say, okay, yes, there probably are some people that have Jesus' return on their calendar, but they don't really know when Jesus will return. Last week, we read through some verses uh, that describe, you know, the signs of the end times and people for years have been trying to decipher exactly when the end will be. I don't know if all, any of you saw this movie. Um, in 2009, though, a movie came out, and the title of the movie was called 2012. That was the title of the movie, and the movie was about the end of the world happening on December 21st, 2012, and it was based off of the Mayan calendar. And again, that was just a movie. It's fictional. People are looking to make money off of a movie and people be entertained and that sort of thing. But the reality is, is for years and years, people have been trying to predict the end of the world. And sometimes I wonder why. Why are people so ready to come to the end? Because for a lot of people, I don't even know if they realize what they're looking to have happen. Because what happens at the end is God's judgment. God's judgment takes place at the end and when Jesus returns. And I, and I think about that in my own life. I think it's maybe difficult to be ready physically for the end. But the real question I think needs to be asked in every one of our lives this morning is, are we ready spiritually for the end? Are we ready for Jesus to come again? We're going to read this verse in just a little bit, but in Mark chapter 13, verse 36, it says, If he, speaking about Jesus, comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. All right? And that's a, like an every Sunday morning verse for every single one of us here, right? All right? If Jesus comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. And so today's title of the message is Stay Awake. All right? Stay awake. Will you pray with me? Father, we desire for you to help us stay awake spiritually, that we would be ready for the day when you come again. And so may we hear from you this morning. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are willing and able this morning, will you stand as we turn to Mark chapter 3 and we honor God in the reading of his words to us from Mark chapter 13 verses 12, 24 through 37. But in those days, the following 
fo- excuse me, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away, and he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or whether the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. You may be seated. As we begin to look at these verses this morning, I want to start with a story. In the late 19th century in America, there was a wave of enthusiasm for prophecies predicting the actual date for Christ's second coming. And one such prophet, quote-unquote, was an Adventist leader, William Miller. He, was, he lived from 1782 to 1849, and it is in his movement that the Seventh-day Adventists find their roots. The concept of being an Adventist is a member of any of the various Christian sects emphasizing belief in the imminent second coming of Christ. People that are just, that are, that's what they spend their time doing is paying attention and looking for the second coming of Christ. Miller first predicted that Christ would return on the 21st of March, 1842. But, but then he revised the date to April 3rd, 1843, and over 3,500, 3,500 of his followers jammed the Boston Advent Temple only to be disappointed. And you might have thought that the movement would have died then, but it didn't. Rather, it continued to grow. And Miller decided to recalculate his date, kind of like when you're driving with the GPS. Recalculate, recalculate. So he recalculates the date for the second coming and soon publicized a new date, April 18th, 1844. When the Messiah did not show up on that date, there was again frustration and some followers left the Adventist ranks. Undeterred, though, by these failures, Miller came up with a third date, October 22nd, 1844. Uh, The date was publicized as the Millerite publication, True Midnight Cry. And surprisingly, this third date rallied his followers. 
They began to spread the news of the new day to the second coming with an enthusiasm that had not been seen before. And churches which did not accept this message were denounced as agents of Babylon and the devil. And despite opposition from established mainline religious groups, thousands of people, including many clergy, began to defect to the Millerite cult. As doomsday approached, the Millerites began to prepare. One account notes that fields were left unharvested, shops were closed, people quit their jobs. This one was interesting to me. They paid their debts. Huh, I was thinking, why, why would they pay their debts? But they, why they need their money anymore? So they paid their debts and freely gave away their possessions with no thought of repayment. Huge press runs of Advent publications like the Midnight Cry warned the, pu- that the public that the time is short. Prepare to meet thy God, and the Lord is coming. William Miller himself began peddling white ascension robes to the faithful, many of whom waited for the miraculous event in, get this, freshly dug graves. That's where they waited. But as we all know, the second coming did not occur on October 22nd, 1844. In fact, if they had paid attention to this morning's reading from Mark, they would not have been deceived by Miller's false prophecy. For Jesus, speaking about the second coming, said this in verse 32, No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Verse 33, be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. And as I reflected on this passage, I found kind of three themes running throughout these verses this morning that I really want us to look at. And the first is this theme that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again, and just as we celebrated six short months ago, Jesus is coming as a baby at Christmas time, we can also look forward to the day when Jesus will come again. And again, we don't know when that day is coming, but Jesus is coming, amen? Uh, He is coming. Whether you believe that this morning or not, the truth is that Jesus promised that he would come again, And Jesus keeps his promises, amen? Amen. Some of you out there are really into the second coming of Jesus, and that's okay. In fact, you know, you love studying the book of Revelation, you love studying out prophecies, you love having discussions with people, and and there are things on the news that kind of like perk your interest as evidences of Jesus' return. And once again, I'm not saying that that is bad, okay? In fact... What I see in some of you that maybe I don't see in myself at times is a longing for Jesus to come again. You see, when I hear people that are constantly discussing and talking about the end times, to me there's a longing for Jesus to come again, and that should be true in all of our lives. We should be longing for that day, amen? I mean, that's, that's something that should be on our thoughts and, and in our speech. We should be thinking about when that day might be. 
It's something that's so special for us to look forward to. And Jesus said, speaking about his second coming in verse 26, At that time, men will see the Son of Man, speaking about Jesus, coming in, in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. You see, that's the great hope that we have as Christians, that Jesus will come again. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. And he will usher in a, a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be no more sadness, and there's no more pain, and no more crying. And Jesus, he will be our light in the midst. And Revelation 21, 22 speaks about all those things. And none of us know when that day will be. And in fact, if you hear the date that Jesus is supposed to come again, the, the, of course, the old joke is that it's probably not going to be that day, right? At least not according to Scripture. The Bible says none of us know, not even the Son. And yet the choices that we make should be made from the perspective that our time here on earth is short. Because one day, Jesus will return. Either in our lifetime, or our physical bodies are just going to wear out, and we're going to see him someday face to face. And I don't know about you, but when I know something's coming up the next day, when I know that this is going to happen the next day, especially if it's like early in the morning, I know that we have to head up to camp for junior week at camp right after this service. I knew that yesterday. And so guess what? I didn't sleep much last night, but I prepared the day before. If you know something's coming the next day, you get ready, right? You prepare. You anticipate that. Guess what? Jesus is coming. You know that. It says it right here in his word. And so what are you doing today to be part of the people of God that will be gathered by the angels? What are you doing? Are you living the life laid out in his word? Guess what? He's given us exactly what we need to be doing. He, he, he gave us a cheat sheet right here. It tells you what you need to be doing. Because if you aren't ready, you're going to spend eternity separated from God in hell. I'm not saying that. That's what God is saying to you. That's what Scripture teaches. And as believers, until that day comes where we, we see Jesus face to face, Guess what? We have work to do. And so, again, if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing I'd encourage you to write down is that Jesus is coming again. That's a for sure. And the second thing is, you have work to do. We as Christians have work to do, and we see that in verses 34 through 35. My kids, I don't know if this is the same true in your house, but my kids, for some reason, they don't jump at the opportunity to do work around my house. I, anybody else experience that? They, they don't like jump at the opportunity like when I say, hey, someone needs to empty the dishwasher. Out of eight kids, I would think like four of them would like jump up and like try to get to the dishwasher first to be the one that gets to empty the dish. No, nobody does that. Anybody else experience that? I mean, Berkeley kind of like toddles around a little bit, but you know, nobody in my house are just fighting over opportunities to do work. And I think the majority of us 
We don't jump at the opportunity to work too often in this life either, do we? We, we like to take it easy, especially in America. We prefer to be comfortable, kick our feet up. You know, I, we've been looking for furniture for the last 20-some years of our marriage because our kids have ruined all of our furniture that we still have from our wedding day, you know, basically, when we first got married. So we're, we've been looking for furniture, and one of the things we keep looking for is to have recliners in our furniture because we like to kick our feet up, Right? We, we want to take things easy, and for many of us as Christians, that's kind of our mentality. We have the same tendency when it comes to working for the Lord. We just want somebody else to do it, right? And my kids oftentimes will put their sink, their dirty bowl plate in the, in the sink, and they just hope that it magically cleans itself. I don't know what they think is going to happen. Like you got to put it in the dishwasher. you got to clean it yourself, right? And, and so yet they're hoping somebody else just comes along and does it for them. And I think as Christians, we're just expecting somebody else to come along and do the job that God has called each of us individually to do, hoping somebody else does it. And yet God calls us to do work for his kingdom. We're called to live out a Christian life in our communities where we show our neighbors love. Where we share the good news of Jesus with our neighbors and our family and our co-workers and our friends. And in today's verses, Jesus had this to say about the time in which we are living, leading up to the second coming. Verse 34, it's like a man, go, a man going away. And he leaves his house and puts his servants in charge. Can you believe that? God has put us in charge of this thing, okay? He's expecting us to do what he's called us to do because he goes on to say, it says, each with his assigned task. Not just the chosen, not just the intellectual, not just the outgoing, not just the whatever you want to fill in the blank that's somebody else and not you. It's everyone, it says, each with his assigned task. All of you have something to do for the kingdom of God. Therefore, let me back up. It says, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, in verse 35, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly... Do not let him find you sleeping. And I wonder how many of us are going to be found sleeping. You see, God has put mankind in charge of this world. And as the church, he expects us to fulfill his mission here on this earth. And if you recall, God gave the church one great commission. Anybody ever heard of it? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 19. All authority, Jesus is speaking here, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Martin Dale told this story. Martin wrote, when I was a member of the Anglican chaplaincy team in the Wolds prison, I found that lots of prisoners would pore over the Bible, fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation. And then he went on to say this, 
but few of them would go further and commit their lives to Christ. Is that you today? You love the mystery of the second coming, but you don't love the one that's coming again? It's not really reflected in your life by the choices that you're making? Well, guess what? Jesus wants us to focus on living the Christian life today. Not just dreaming of the future of what's to come. He wants us to be secure in the knowledge that He will come again, but He does not want us just to be stargazing. Martin Luther is alleged to have said that even if he knew Christ was going to return tomorrow, he would still plant an apple tree. You see, there's still work to be done today. Jesus can come back at any time, but what are you doing with the moments that you have before he comes again? And at Jesus' ascension in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, the 11 disciples were left in awe, just kind of stargazing. They, they were just looking up, and two angels were sent to remind them that God still has a mission for them. They, they have things to do. And, and so let me read from Acts chapter 1. You can follow along. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. It says, So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why did you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You see, we can't just spend all our time here on this earth just stargazing, just, just looking up. The reality, according to verse 8, it, it just reminds us that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we all have a job to do. And it's through the Holy Spirit's power that we are to be Jesus' witnesses in our homes and in Casper, and in Wyoming, in the United States, and around the world. So I say, get to it, right? I mean, what more can we say? We, we got to do it. I mean, we can talk about it all day until we're blue in the face. But at some point, we just got to go do it. And I don't know if you've experienced that at your house. There's a project or something that you need, and you pass by it. Like, I should pick that up. I should finish that. I should get that done. At some point, you just got to stop and you got to do it. And we need to stop expecting everyone else 
to do the job that God has called you to do. You have been specifically made. God says in his word that he has prepared in advance good works for you to do. You don't have to come up with it on your own. God's already got it ready for you, okay? So get on fire for Jesus and be the witness that he's called you to be, to go and make disciples of all nations so that people will be ready, that people will be ready for the day when Jesus comes again. And that's the third thing that I'd encourage you to write down. Be ready. We try to not talk about events in our house in front of our kids that are a ways off that might be kind of fun. For example, just a month ago, our kids, they heard that we're going to be leading the music up at family camp in Little Rockies in Montana, which oftentimes my parents come to and then uh, some of their cousins come to. And, and so we don't like letting our kids know stuff in advance because they, they then talk about it over and over and over and over again until we finally get to that day. And in fact, uh, Hearing that we were going to go up there, uh, Brooks, my seven-year-old, you know, this is four months away, Brooks, he says, should I get packed? Should you get packed? No, you know, I mean, you, (laughs) but it's interesting, though, even though it's so, you know, slightly annoying for our kids to want to pack four months in in advance for camp, their anticipation causes them to want to be ready. Do you get that? Do you get that in your own spiritual lives? If you truly believe that someday you're going to meet Jesus face to face, whether it be in your lifetime when he comes again on the clouds in his glory and his power, or if it comes when you stand before him after you've passed away from this life, if you truly believe that this morning, then that anticipation should cause you to want to be ready. Not necessarily to have your bags packed, but to know Jesus in a way that when you stand before God, Jesus is by your side. He's got your back. And again, if you look at verses 32 through 37, it just reminds us this idea that none of us know when it's going to happen, but we need to be ready. No one knows, it says in verse 32, about the day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the morning, excuse me, whether in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly... Do not let him find you sleeping. But what I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Be be ready. Jesus wants us to be on guard, on our guard. Not like on guard, but like on our guard. To be alert, to be ready, to stay awake. And how do we do that? I thought about professional athletes How do they be on guard, on their guard? How do they be ready? How do they stay alert, to be alert and to stay awake? Well, I just thought about the fact that they spend a lot of time studying the playbook, don't they? They spend a lot of time working out their muscles and and doing muscle memory. And I, I thought about us in our lives. How much time do we spend 
in the playbook. If we're going to tell someone, all right, this is what we need to be doing, this is how we need to be ready, this is the stuff that we need to be working on, when Jesus is coming back, you know, this is what we got to do. And you can go to the playbook and they're like, all right, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, I'll be doing that, you know, and we work together. But we have to know the playbook and we have to work our muscles out. We have to actually do what we're learning, okay? And the, the muscle memory of over and over and over again, it gets easier and easier and easier. I was thinking about a quarterback in the NFL and how many times do they do the, the drop step, you know, that they drop back in the pocket. You know, how many times do they practice that where they hike the ball and one, two, three, ready to go, and, and their muscles, they automatically do that. We have to be the same way. God wants us to be so well-schooled in the Scriptures that we cannot be taken in by false prophets and Paul Marvel mentioned that in last week's verses the idea that we have to be on our guard we have to be ready for those who are going to come in and teach falsely and I think about these Millerites that we discussed at the beginning of the message that 175 years ago they were confused and, and they were brought into a false prophecy and in order for each of us to be ready for Jesus's second coming whenever that might take place we have to put the time in reading and studying and living out the Word of God. You can't be just hearers of the Word, but you have to be doers of the Word. Amen? I mean, that's when it becomes real. That's when it becomes life-changing. You can't just take my word for it on Sunday mornings. You have to spend time reading it, and Paul mentioned that last week as well. You spend time reading it on your own, studying it out and living it out. As we close this morning, Mark 13, 24 through 37 has a lot in there. Things that we didn't even touch on this morning. But what I want you to take home this morning to encourage you to know that one day Jesus will return in glory. And even though none of us know when that day will be, Jesus wants us to continue living as if he was coming tomorrow, doing the work that he's called you to do. And I wonder, if he came tomorrow, would you be embarrassed by what he found you doing? And I ask that same question to myself. If he came tomorrow, would I be embarrassed by what he found me doing? And again, the third thing is Jesus wants us to be ready. It's not a readiness of, our good things outweigh our bad things and somehow we're going to make it on our own and we're, we're going to be ready because we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. No, it's being ready in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's through the grace and forgiveness and mercy that comes through Jesus' sacrifice that we can be ready before God. And so make sure you know God's word well enough that you don't get sidetracked by the things and the teachings of this world and so that you can be ready and so that you can help others around you be ready. As the praise team comes again this morning, if you are not ready for Jesus' return, if that just kind of like gives you the chills to think about, man, if Jesus came back today, I would not be ready. I would challenge you that today is the day where you need to give your life over to Jesus. Allow him to be the Lord of your life by dying to your old self in the watery graves of baptism to be raised in newness of life. Don't no longer live for yourself, but to be a new creation, not a perfect creation, but someone 
that allows for the Holy Spirit to then empower them to live out the life that Scripture teaches us to live out. And so if that's you this morning, man, I would pray that you would want to be ready, that you would anticipate the day when Jesus comes again by being ready for that day. If you have a decision to make, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us this morning? Fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. I'm hot for eats a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Will you pray with me, Father? We're grateful that we can run to you over and over and over again. God, there are many that have come this morning, maybe with just heavy hearts, baggage in their lives, and you call them to just lay it down before your throne. So God, we are grateful for the privilege it is to come into your presence, to come into your throne room, to encourage one another as brothers and sisters because of what your son was willing to do for us on the cross. God, I pray that if there is one here this morning that is not ready for your return because your return is imminent, it's going to happen. Whether it be in the hundred years from now that we would live here on this earth physically, or if it happens in the next second or 30 seconds or day or whenever it might be, God, we need to be ready Help us to not put it off and help us to do the work that you've called us to do, to be your witnesses, to not just spend our lives stargazing, but to really do the work you've called us to do. And so, Father, we thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit's power in our life to do the work that you've called us to do. God, may you go with us today, empower us, and it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. A lot of the announcements that we've been talking about have come and gone. It's amazing how life works in time. Uh, we are heading to junior week at camp, and uh, Autumn is co-deaning with myself. And we have 41 individuals, adults, uh, and campers, and pre